Hello everyone, my name is Logan, and you are listening to The Crowncast, and today I have the, uh, really, the unfortunate news of telling you that, ladies and gentlemen, you have to hide your pl- your pink flamingos somewhere. And uh, if you don't know what that means, don't worry, no one knows what that means, but another man <laughs> who doesn't know what it means joins me today, uh, as ever, it's Justin. Hello, Justin. Hey, Logan, how's it going today? Uh, it is, it is going, uh, you know, Wednesday as always, which means I get to talk to you. I get to hear your beautiful voice. Uh, so, uh, much, much better, uh, endeavor than watching the unfortunate loss, uh, over the weekend. Would you, would you agree? Yeah, it, it was not the best result, but there's, there's positive still to take away, uh, from this match. And so, uh, unfortunately, we were both unable to to do a post react right after this match uh, this past weekend. So we apologize to any listeners who might have been looking for that. And yeah, we we are going to try and make it up to you, though. Obviously, Philadelphia Union, a good team. We got plenty to talk about, and uh, we're going to cram everything into one episode. So basically, what I just said is we have way too much to talk about, and we're going to do it all in in less time. So sure, that works, right? Uh, yeah, you're going to get about half a post react and about half a, a little bit of in-depth analysis and then some news about the, the squad and everything. So, yeah, absolutely. We did go ahead and sort of after the game, we put down who we felt like our crowns and cards were. Uh, and uh, we are going to do that as well as our final thoughts on the game at, at the very end. Uh, but you are also going to get us talking a little bit more measured, a little bit more controlled about uh, what what happened and how we feel about it. Uh, so, with all of that said, uh, Justin, I yeah. understand uh, that what is about to happen is going to be kind of difficult because we are going to give out both crowns and cards. We're going to start with our first card. Not both of them, just the first one. Who is your first card on the day? My first card, unfortunately, goes to somebody who has been amazing for us up until now, and that is going to go to our goalkeeper, Christian Kalina, for the second goal that we conceded against Philadelphia. It is one of the... It's just a terrible pass out wait, from the back. Wait, where... I, I have to cut across you. Justin, Are you? do you mean to tell me that you're going to give a card to the guy who casually passed the ball directly to an offensive player... Uh, while he was no longer in the goal, I know it. It must be a shocking thought, uh, uh, but yeah, it's it is a truly terrible pass out. We're under pressure from bad. from Philly. You know, we're passing around at the back. I think maybe he misreads where Sergio Ruiz is going to position, but you know, Kalina is out, like you said, away from the goal, passes directly to one of Philadelphia's attackers who has all the time in the world and an empty net to slot home. And it's just so painful to see. Yeah, it it does hurt. And for those of you at home, uh, for those of us at home, because I'm absolutely one of these people who has ever had the thought when you see, you know, one of the the players on your team uh, take a shot on goal or or hit a a pitch or, or do anything in a professional sense and thought, I could do that. Um, that goal is so open, and he is so open, and there is so much time that I can almost guarantee you that all of you people at home who have had that thought probably actually could have done it this time. This time, yeah. This time, we the people are correct. 
It's one of the easiest duels I, I think you'll ever see an attacking player score. Um, and it's a, just a, it's a boneheaded moment from a player who has been phenomenal up to this point. But that boneheaded moment has to be enough to earn you a card this week. Oh yeah, uh, I I don't think I I can I can argue with you on that, but uh, but maybe I will. Maybe we'll get to that here in a little bit, uh, because <laughs> I have to give out a card uh, myself, and we are just going to go through the the paces. Uh, no one looked overwhelmingly good today. Uh, uh, it is it would be relatively easy to just to just just give out the cards. Um, but I am going to talk about uh, somebody who I have already kind of highlighted, and I think we saw kind of the other side of him today, and uh, that is Guzman Carujo. Uh, I've talked about him being a very good partnership with Jalen Lindsay. I think they cover each other well. Uh, they they sort of have a good synergy between them, and uh, today he was... I say today. Uh, in, in this match, he was... He was mostly absent. Uh, he kind of went missing on a couple big big plays. If you look into the first goal uh, that that is scored uh, by the Philadelphia Union, uh, you look back and he was playing in in the central of our defense. At least it looked like that was the position he was mostly taking up. And I didn't see him. Uh, and, and not just that I, I didn't like see him making a play. I didn't see him at all in all of the replays of that goal he is nowhere to be found uh i didn't see him as it was happening i didn't see him as a factor in any of the replays i didn't see him at all on the on the pitch and he looked like a little bit of a fish out of a water out of water in this match and i don't think i can really say it better than that justin did you see sort of what i'm i'm seeing here yeah i mean i think i did you know it's it, it's one of those where he has been such a uh, sort of a stabilizing presence at the back. He's had, you know, solid positioning. He doesn't necessarily have the pace, but but he's got good positioning to help make up for it. And this time it just didn't look that way. You know, he, Kuruha looked maybe a little lost. It's just, it, it was a, a difficult stretch. It was a difficult stretch for all of the 10 players, you know, in, in the outfield and Christian Kalina. Yeah. Uh, with this match, but and, but yeah, I think it's fair to say that Carujo sort of vanished when when we're used to more from him. Yeah, and uh, uh, you know, let's not forget to mention that it was a difficult stretch for the fans as well because it does hurt to come off of two wins like that and then just kind of get shot out of the sky, doesn't it? I mean, it, it does. Yeah, it's, it's going to happen. We're still an expansion team. We'll talk a little bit more about this in a bit, but oh, but. Yeah. It's painful. It, it is, and um, but but the good news is there are there are things to to take out of this that that aren't uh, aren't just troublesome. Uh, we both felt like there were a couple of performances that, while maybe not were were overwhelmingly stand out, uh, we felt like looked pretty good. Uh, Justin, do you want to go ahead and give me your first uh, or your crown? Yeah, I mean my crown for the match, and you know. Uh, it's not a win, so we're not going to be talking about multiple crowns. We we are, are going to hand out multiple cards, though. Um, my crown, though, is going to go to to somebody who's been crowned repeatedly, and that's that's to Ben Bender. Uh, it, it was a tough day for everybody in attack. Uh, it it just looked disjointed, but when we did produce some danger, when we did produce some threats, 
you know, I thought Bender was still kind of at the heart of a lot of those situations. He's still a dangerous presence. Uh, you know, uh, he had a good opportunity in the box that he puts just barely wide. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it looked for a second into the side netting. And so it looked for a second like it had snuck in at the corner. But yeah. um, it, a good performance. Again, not phenomenal, but nobody looked phenomenal in the, the Charlotte kit this weekend. Yeah, and I think we can actually give Bender a little bit of phenomenal. We're just gonna, we're just gonna just just measure out like a really small amount of of phenomenal for Bender because he did look like somebody who was keeping his spacing pretty well in the game, and uh, against a team that was definitely a higher quality than we have seen so far, and uh, alongside his teammates that weren't necessarily doing a great job keeping spacing and being available. Uh, he was he was sort of the one who was constantly willing to take action. He was constantly in in good places, and and while the unit as a whole didn't function, uh, he 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 was the one who looked like he wanted to make it function. So so you get like one uh, one one tablespoon of phenomenal for for Ben Bender. I am going to uh, I'm going to turn the whole thing upside down. Uh, I'm going to make everyone upset, either at you or at me, one way or the other. And I am actually going to... Uh, I'm going to give a crown to Christian Kalina. <laughs> and I know that's a little bit uh, chaotic, uh, since uh, we just gave him a card, and I agree with that card. I agree with it 100%. He deserves the card. But I think this is a good chance to highlight a, a couple of things about Kalina and you know, even more so uh, to reiterate about the crowd, uh, the crowns and the cards. If we give somebody a card, we are not saying they're a bad player. Uh, we are saying they did something offensive to the beautiful game. Credit to Justin for that particular uh, string of words there. Very eloquent. And, and we're calling him out for it. But Christian Kalina makes a really, really, really bad mistake in this game. And it looks to me like the type of mistake that happens as a very good goalkeeper learns how to become the 11th outfield player that we now expect goalkeepers to be. Modern football just expects that these keepers are going to be very effective with the ball at their feet, that they're going to be very effective distributors, that they're going to be uh, very comfortable receiving high-speed passes on wet pitches or on pitches that are overly dry and the ball is bouncy. Uh, we just expect it sort of across the board that these goalkeepers are going to be able to play this, this connecting high press beating intense style of technically skilled football. And they're also going to be incredibly good at keeping the ball out of the net with incredible saves and knowing how to position themselves and, and I don't think there's any doubt in our minds, you know, what, what we have seen from Christian Kalina, that he does the goalkeeping stuff very, very well. And uh, I think that we are also seeing that he is developing the other side. And right now it looks to me like he is developing. And I say that because it doesn't look stagnant. It doesn't look like somebody who, who hasn't uh, started figuring this out. Every time I see him on the pitch... He's distributing a little better. He's moving the ball up clearer. I uh, shouted him out. I've shouted him out a lot because he's probably our best player. But 
Uh, I shouted him out a while back for his ability to pick up the ball and immediately distribute it with just a short pass or a short uh, throw that breaks lines of defense open for a counterattack. This is what we want. This growth is what we want. There's no denying that. And uh, this is the growing pain. In my opinion, what we saw today was a very obvious growing pain. Uh, he makes a brain-dead pass. He, he says, I have been instructed to split these lines and help us break out. And he misreads the play, you know, no matter which way you want to put it. And while he is well outside of his goal, he takes a slightly risky pass. He does it poorly, and it, it bites us. This is uh, this hurts in the moment, but I think it's very important for all of us, sort of as fans, and and for us who have the the honor of of being on the microphones to say, we still support Christian Kalina. He is doing everything incredibly well, and he is developing this new skill at a a very quick pace. I will also point out that he didn't shy away in the rest of the game. He still had a lot of work to do, and instead of just putting his head down and and you know giving up on the game and 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 feeling like oh poor me, uh, he attacked. He he went out. He did it again. He he made those fantastic stops that we're so used to seeing Christian Kalina make, and seeing that bounce back, seeing the mentality to what happens when something goes wrong, actually means that for me, I I, I cannot help but give Christian Kalina a, a crown because I would rather see a goalkeeper who makes a mistake and immediately picks his head right back up and says, hey, that's not me. That was a fluke. I know who I am. Then I would want to see a goalkeeper who almost never makes mistakes. Uh, but the moment he makes one, he's he's useless for the rest of the season. So, uh, Justin, since since I know that we uh, we feel... Uh, I think we both probably feel on similar pages with Kalina, but do you have anything you want to add? No, I mean, I don't want people to think that just because I carded him for, for the past that I think that he's all of a sudden not the right answer between the sticks for Charlotte and he's not our best option. Uh, that's, no, I, I still I, I still love Kalina. He came back, like you said, he made some really impressive saves, uh, including one where, where Brant Bronico just lost his man in the box. Uh, a lot of cutback and and an easy shot, uh, but uh, a great save from Kalina to keep it from getting worse uh, in this match. So you know he's he's still a great keeper. It, it, you know I still think he is uh, above average within MLS, and that puts us in a good position. So yeah, and and just like I said in the beginning, uh, he definitely deserves a card. <laughs> he definitely you know we're not yeah. here to we're not here to excuse mistakes. We will tell you a mistake was made. Uh, believe me, we will tell you. Either way. It, it, there's something to be said for the resilience there, right? Of, of yeah, you can make that boneheaded mistake. You know, like, you, like you've been saying, it's, oh, it's yeah. good that we can both uh, card him and crown him in this match. It, it shows the resilience of a, a player in a key position for Charlotte going forward. Yeah, and, and it shows the, uh, the statement of a player who earned both, right? Like, uh, two, two things can be true at the same time. But... I am going to go ahead and I'm going to lead us into our second card. I'm going to take our uh, the first poll on second card, uh, Justin. And the second card oh. for me is going to be Anton Walks. Uh, Anton Walks came into 
uh, the heart of our defense. I got no idea how much practice they had at this uh, as they came in, but it did not look great. Uh, it did look like he provided some some extra body. Um, and since set pieces were a large part of this game, I, I can understand why, but uh, he looked more like a disruptor to me than he looked like a, a benefit. And, you know, I, I this sort of leads away from my first uh, card that I, I talked about during this podcast of Guzman Corujo is because Corujo and Jalen Lindsay have this wonderful partnership that they really cover each other's weaknesses well and they really play together well. And, and Anton walks sort of, and he didn't insert himself, obviously he was placed there, but all of a sudden it kind of felt like nobody actually knew where to be. Like, like nobody actually knew how to show for the ball. No one actually really knew who should be covering what. And, and, and as a result, it kind of just, yeah, almost like, like having a machine that's too complex and has too many parts and as a result breaks too easily. You know, there's something to be said about reliable, intelligent simplicity. And it just seemed jammed up. And I really had some personal uh, questions about whether or not I was going to give Anton Walks the card here. But I do think he deserves it. Uh, The simple fact of the matter is he comes into a defense that was functioning on a side primarily that was functioning quite well. And it immediately looked jammed up. It immediately looked like the gears had stopped turning. Justin, did you see something similar in that? I mean, you know, I, I will say I had high expectations for Anton Walks coming in from Atlanta, you know, with the MLS experience that he was a lot of a lot of our players are, are you know, very good players and everything. I, I think where we're lacking maybe is a little bit of that MLS experience to understand what you can get away with, what you can't get away with when it comes to the officials, you know, what to expect from the pitches, what to expect from the environs and everything like that. And I expected Anton Walks to maybe be able to bring some of that and and the experiences we've gotten from him so far have not really filled me with a sense of man anton walks is really earning a place you know in the starting 11 no on the bench maybe not like in the the match day squad i don't know if he's the best choice to come in if we need help defensively uh and and so i just don't know about him uh i, I don't know about well I don't know about this uh, five at the back, which is actually going to take me into my second card. And this is someone else, again, that we have lauded, we have said is doing such a great job. Really impressed. And remember, listeners, remember fans, this card doesn't mean that we're, we're out on anybody. It means that they didn't necessarily make the best decision in this match. And my second card is going to go to Miguel Angel Ramirez. Manager Ooh. for Charlotte FC. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. I'm on board. Go. Because give me the give me your rundown. We we took a formation that was working for two matches in a row. We took a formation that had gotten us a couple of wins. We took players that had gotten us a couple of wins in a row. We changed all of that up just because. Okay, we're encountering one of the better teams in MLS. I don't think that we should completely throw out 
what's been working just because you're encountering a squad that is maybe a little bit better than some of the competition that you've been you've been facing you don't completely change your your formations and tactics for each squad that you encounter you should be able to in my opinion at least trot out you know roughly the same formation you can make a few tweaks based on who needs some rest you know based on who you might think are better matchups but you talked about us looking jammed up at the back us not having the kind of space that we we needed people looking maybe a little confused maybe not as comfortable and i think a lot of that goes to what miguel angel ramirez decided to trot out uh this past weekend against philly and and i would rather dance with the one the one that brought you i'd rather stay in the the formation that has worked for us for two wins even against a team like philly i'd rather play that kind of football than try and go out with a highly defensive squad that looks like i don't know were we supposed to catch them on the break or i don't i don't really know yeah. what this formation is supposed to bring us or anything yeah I and mean, I'll, I'll step in here on you because you know you make a great question are we supposed to to catch them on the break and and if so who um you know we do have a little bit of speed up our wings uh but on the break is is not necessarily our strongest style of football right now and uh, you know you, you made the shout out and i'm on board a hundred percent especially going into a stronger team uh I personally come in with the expectation that, or maybe not the expectation isn't the right word, but I personally come in with the idea that when you're going into a stronger team, this is a great time to test where you're at, right? This is a great time to take the thing that is functioning well and say, how does it, how does it work during a stress test, right? We know it works when everything's going good, fine. How does this thing that we're building work during a stress test? And what it kind of seemed like for this match was that we threw all of that out the window and just said, nope, we're going to look at this one opponent and we're going to do everything we can to not look bad in this one game. And I think that there are, there are times, you know, cup games, cup finals, where, some, where you kind of have to adjust to your opponent. You have to do what gives you the best chance of winning on the day. But seven, seven games, six games into the the season for a team that is is just starting out which has no expectations i think i personally would have preferred to see us take the thing that we're building and see how it looks under stress uh considering how well it has worked previously and and you're right so i I think that's a good call i would also say we've tried five at the back Yes, you know we tried five at the back in our opening match right against uh against was it DC United? Uh, and yes. we looked really poor in that match. And and so I don't know, obviously I'm not privy to what's going on in the, the training sessions or anything like that. But what I've seen in match days, we're not good in the five at the back. <laughs> no. Uh, so, I mean... <laughs> so we went back to it against one of the better sides and five at the back to me, screams park the bus and hit him on the counter throw yeah. everything into defense and, and try and hit him on the counter and when you concede this early in the match and this early into the second half you have 
automatically failed at, at park the bus and hit him up. Like you, you've lost the, you know, potential advantage to park the bus and hit him on the counter. Yeah. Instead, go out there with the kind of the swagger, the attitude, the the interplay, everything like that that we have gotten so far from the Charlotte FC wins, and see see what happens. Yeah. You know. I think maybe we respected Philly a little too much, and uh, it, we got burned because of it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up a, a, a manager uh, over on the other side of the world, uh, who, whose name is Unai Emery. I believe he's currently the manager for Villarreal, and he is a great example of this sort of mentality in in football. He's a great example of what happens when uh, you take a group of incredibly skilled athletes. And you sit them down in the, at the locker room before the game starts. And you tell them uh, that they're not good enough to handle what's coming. Right? You tell them, oh, well, we have to be aware of this player because he's faster than you. And we have to double up this guy because he's more creative than you. And so we're going to change everything that we do uh, because you guys aren't good enough. And I don't think that, you know, MAR sat down and said that to our players. I don't think that uh, Unai Emery sits down and says that to his players. And I do think that there is some benefit to adjusting your strategy a little bit to help make sure that particularly dangerous pieces on the field don't get to run away with things. But this this shift of your whole system, this bringing in new players, this this clear just just hard counter to another team it can work and it does it does occasionally work but it more often than not gets found out and even when it doesn't get found out it tends to leave your own players with a sense of really not knowing what's going on you know these guys practice the stuff that they're good at for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. It takes them years to develop the skills that they have that, that put them in that arena, and uh, you know for some of them decades. Uh, a lot of these players have been playing since they were four or five years old, and some of them are older than twenty four, twenty five. Uh, when you just suddenly rip them out of that thing that they're learning, and say, "Hey guys, you have one week to learn this whole new system." It's going to look sloppy. It's going to look sloppy. And if you have a team full of absolutely brilliant tactical players who adapt to it really well, sometimes you can do sort of what Unai Emery does, and and you can squeak out one nils, and you can squeak out two ones, and uh, you can you're you're unlikely to get slaughtered, but you're also unlikely to develop. And for me here, I would rather see the development. Justin, do you agree? Yeah, I mean, when we talk about, you know, making modifications to the side or something like that based on the opponent, what what I think you and I are talking about, what we would rather see is, okay, we're going to play a team that has, you know, maybe some dribblers in the midfield. Brent Bronico might be a better defensive midfielder because he's a little bit cleaner in the tackle. Uh, the next squad might be a squad that tries to hit you on the set piece and they're, they're looking for an aerial threat. Uh, you know, they're looking to score headers and so maybe... You know, Derek Jones, given the height, comes in in the defensive midfield spot instead. It's not we're going to change the whole structure of everything. It's, you know, we're going to plug in the right refinement to the system for the opponent that we're playing. 
Yeah, and I think that um, we saw the trouble from this all the way up and down the the pitch. I mean, uh, Justin, you have talked time and time again that part of what made us an effective attack was a a, a man that you're you're quite happy with. You know, uh, you want to shout him out. I mean, I I think that Sergio Ruiz has stepped into the side and been pretty effective in, in the midfield. Uh, you know, that makes that's made me me pretty happy. I think that. One that I've knocked a little bit in the past that I think was actually missing here, uh, and it was missing because of the switch to the five four one. I don't know that Daniel Rios has been the best striking partner for Carol Swiderski, but I've, I've talked about how effective his link-up plays looked, and he's the one that's dropped to bring the extra defender in. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when we go to one at the top, we drop Daniel Rios from the side, and you know, I, I think that taking him out of this side, I'm not going to say that's the only thing that made our attack sputter a little this week, mm-hmm. but he does the work that lets Carol Swiderski stay up top as an attacker. He's the one that helps track back and position himself into the midfield and, and help link the play up. And he wasn't there and Swiderski got, nothing in terms of service and and yeah. had a difficult time being dangerous because of that. It certainly seemed like we were missing an outball and, you know, in Rios, a, a character who we do actually kind of put a lot of trust into to be that outball, to be that, that controlling force a little bit more up the field. Uh, he wasn't there. And so it wasn't there. And, you know, it, one thing leads to another, right? You know, you don't have yeah. to, you don't have to talk too much about it. One thing that I do want to talk a lot about, and Justin, I know how much you love my intros to these, uh, is Potions and Pixels, our sponsor. And we can't talk enough about them. Potions and Pixels is a local Charlotte community, a local uh, Charlotte-run organization uh, that promotes gaming in both video gaming and board gaming. And they do so much for, for the greater Charlotte area. Uh, if you are somebody who is interested in board games or in video games, uh, and you want a place to play, if you have a game group already that wants a place to play, if you want to go and find a game group, uh, if you want to go and make friends, uh, Potions and Pixels cannot recommend them highly enough. They do regular events on Fridays, uh, and you can look them up on any social media. You will find them, and and they will be happy to welcome you. You, you will find a place there. Uh, Justin. Yeah, they're, uh, they're usually at Camp North End. Uh, on Fridays, uh, which has some great opportunities to try out some of the wonderful food that's down there and have an opportunity to play some of these board games. Uh, I'll stress again that this is a great family-friendly event. If you've got young kids, uh, if you've got old kids, if you're an old kid, doesn't matter. Uh, You'll find something fun to do at a Potions and Pixels. They've actually started um, a second, I think this is going to stay weekly, uh, event at 7th Street Public Market. So, Uh, That's on Tuesdays. It's right there in uh, Uptown. If you're listening and you're somebody who works in Uptown uh, here in Charlotte, you have an opportunity, I think, after work on Tuesdays, if you'd like, to uh, pop into 7th Street Public Market, or uh, I think it's now called the Market at 7th Street. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, again, great food options uh, while you have an opportunity to play. Uh, You know, get some games in uh, midweek. And all around a good time. And I think, Justin, that is about enough of that. It absolutely is. 
Always happy to shout them out, but always happy to talk about Charlotte FC. Uh, so, I think that we have to take a few moments because we have we've done a little bit of digging in uh, to a lot of people, and we have to put this game in sort of the right context by which we're we are talking about it because ultimately we are playing a very very good team here justin i mean do you want to talk about i mean as much as it hurts to talk about the fact that philadelphia union is good do you want to talk about the fact that philadelphia union is actually quite quite good at the footballs i mean they are uh and have been for several years one of the better teams in mls this is you know, you guys have heard me talk about the supporter shield for scoring the most points in a season. These, this is the same team that in 2020 won the supporter shield last season. This team went to the Eastern conference finals in the playoffs. You know, this is an extraordinarily good squad. This is a, a squad that, I mean, also thanks to the three points that they took off of Charlotte, right. But they are tied for the best record in all of MLS and are uh, clearly in the lead in the East. Uh, so far so we are playing against absolutely the toughest competition that we have played against so far this season and some of the toughest competition i think we'll play against at any point in this season so yeah and we've slated a lot of players we've slated a lot of of what happened today but this loss doesn't make charlotte fc a bad squad this loss doesn't mean that that we are all of a sudden you know, throwing up our hands and going, oh, we're an expansion team and we suck, we're, we're terrible. We're not. This is just a really, really good side to gum up against. Yeah, and I, I think it's really important. There's a, there's a great sort of sort of statement in, in football that is made when you have a tough loss. And this is a tough loss. I mean, let's be honest. It's not, I don't think it's as gut-wrenching as, you know, the loss to Atlanta, that last second goal. But this is a tough loss. Uh, and that is, we go again. Right, like we know who we are, just like Christian Kalina has this, uh, you know, made a really bad mistake, and immediately picked himself right back up and said, "That's that's not who, who I am. I'm I'm better than that. I'm not gonna keep my head down. I go again. Uh, this team goes again. The fans, we go again. And ultimately, what will happen here is is we go again. We are gonna lose games, and we are all gonna pick ourselves right back up, and uh, go and and do our best to win the next one." But it is it is definitely fair to to put into context the fact that Philadelphia Union is a very good side, and they played like a very good side. I think a lot of what we saw today was that our players just did not have time on the ball. Uh, they put together a very very effective press. The, you know, we sort of invited them into our half and said, "Hey, we're always going to have numbers behind the ball." see if you can break us down and they said okay uh they broke us down quite quickly (laughs) and uh and then we couldn't get out because of a really solid you know high field press and it just consistently looked like we had half a second less time than we wanted to have at any one point in time in the game and so you know justin you you made a mention of this earlier you said it felt like everything looked panicked I mean, especially like if you go back and look at the the second goal where Kalina makes the bad pass, it, it comes after, you know, some really serious pressing from Philadelphia. And it comes after a series where it looks like all of the Charlotte players are desperately looking for someone to pass the ball to. 
they don't want the responsibility of being the one carrying the ball out. You know, there's there's not that passing out. And I think, you know, uh, what you're seeing is, again, a really good side that got a chance to identify that there are some players at the back that maybe aren't the best with the ball at their feet. Yeah. And see an opportunity, if you press some of those players, there's an opportunity for some mistakes to be made. And mistakes were made. And it's just... There's, there's not a lot to do about it other than say, okay, they've shown us something that we need to improve on. We understand that. We're going to try and improve on it. Yep. Uh, I, you know, I think that is, is pretty much how you put it. The, the simple truth is this is a good team. This is a good yep. team. And today, uh, while I think there were a lot of mistakes made across the pitch, uh, you know, we, didn't, we didn't get 5 nilled. Uh, you know, we, we put up a, a relatively decent fight. And, uh, and we got beat, and that sucks. But, you know, ultimately we go again. It does lead me into my next point, Justin, <clears throat> and that is that I think I managed to efficiently confuse every human being on Earth with my intro to this one. And I, I now get to explain my theory of the pink flamingos. Are, are you ready for this, this high-quality content? Or I've, I've been waiting since the intro to figure out what that meant. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, while I was away, I was very fortunate. I got the, the chance to go overseas, lots of COVID uh, precautions, but I got to go overseas uh, recently and uh, even got the chance to see Sporting Portugal play live, which was an incredible experience. But we, we looked out outside and we saw up on someone's balcony one of the sort of pool, floaty, inflatable pink flamingos. And it just looked terrible. It looked awful. It was this, <laughs> it was this beautiful, uh, you know, city skyline in Lisbon, Portugal. Uh, you know, the sun cresting just right, and right in the middle of the whole thing is this cheap plastic inflatable pink pool flamingo. Uh, and it, and it led us to this thought that that you have to put your pink flamingo somewhere, don't you? And and I felt like it was such a good comment on what we're seeing out of a lot of the players at Charlotte FC right now. And that is uh, when, when all of the situation is correct, when they have enough time, when we're playing in a shape that suits them, when they get to be on the ball in a place that is their, their highest level skill, they look really, really good. And the one I'm going to point out here is somebody we have knocked a lot. And actually in this game did a couple of things that were highlight real good. And that's Joseph Mora. Joseph Mora has all in all looked pretty questionable. Uh, he has not inspired either one of us. Considering his moving in and out of the team, it doesn't really seem like he's inspired, inspired Miguel Ramirez. Uh, but he did some really pretty things today. He has the cutback, a very well-placed cutback that gives probably the best chance of the game to Ben Bender. Uh, he is a sort of very present in our offense. He puts in a couple of good balls. Uh, he is quick down the line when he needs to be, and he takes a shot from the 18-yard box that does not miss my butch. It is a, it is a really pretty outside of the back end shot that, uh, if that drops down, you know, if if these two things go a little bit different, if Bender finishes, uh, you know, if Bender's finishes a half a foot to the right and and goes in, and Mora's shot is a foot and a half down and goes into the top right corner. Uh, Joseph Mora is is on ESPN, right? Like Joseph Mora is the Instagram shot for this match. 
And we have a lot of players like that. We have a lot of players who, if you put them in the pool with the right lighting and their element, you can take a really pretty picture of them doing the thing that they're really good at. But then when you take them out of the pool, you have to put them somewhere, right? They have to, they have to do the other stuff too. And, and I just feel like we have this problem of where do you put your pink flamingos? And right now, we, we have quite a few of them that are, are kind of occupying really specialized roles. And I, I want to see what they do outside of those roles, right? Do they, do they blend in? Do they mesh with the rest of the team when they're not doing the thing that's their perfect position? Or do they look like a gaudy, pink, inflatable flamingo on a beautiful balcony that just you just have questions about right you know like does it make sense to you justin or i mean you know i i I love him uh but i think we saw in this match when he's not getting service what kind of a you know for for the purposes of this what kind of a pink flamingo occasionally even a player as great as carol swiderski can be you know he's he is on the pitch to do his one thing he is very good at his one thing if he gets the service, if he gets a little bit of space, he puts balls on frame and, you know, past the keeper. Uh, but, and and that may be the one spot on the pitch, right? That may be the one spot on the pitch where it's okay to, to have your pink flamingo out. Because there's so many Instagram shots that are coming yep. uh, for the central striker. Um, but, you know, I think that Brent Bronico, it, it, I've slated him a lot, but... If he has a player dribbling at him, I think he puts in a tackle fairly. Like if he just needs to take a play, uh, like the ball off another player's foot, I think he's pretty good at that. Yep. The the issue is I don't think that he's the best at you know chasing down. Uh, I don't think he's the best at necessarily understanding where the play is around him or anything like that. And so I think we can all no, agree again, to that. He's he's a bit of a pink flamingo and. And so, you know, I think that you're right in that we have all of these. They remind me a little bit for for those of you that might be listening that are more familiar with other American sports. This is like having a knuckleball pitcher in your bullpen. It's like, eh, you know, it, this is this is a, a pony that you bring out for the one trick that he can pull off. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and I want to be very clear. I don't think that these players only have these skills, but... It is clear to me that there are quite a few players who, who experience a significant drop-off in, in understanding of their position or an understanding of the skill or an ability to execute uh, when things aren't quite perfect. And the truth is, and you can look back at, you know, if you want to see anybody in the history of football that, that shows this, this well, uh, luxury players can't can't survive in the game anymore go take a look at Mesut Ozil Mesut Ozil was the best in the whole world no one questioned it at one incredible skill and uh, you know right now he can't get into a team in the Turkish leagues because he is just a pink flamingo he does one Instagram thing really really well and he he is otherwise a luxury that no one can afford Uh, and and as a result you know, he now, one of the greatest talents in, in the world, sits the bench at a relatively low-level league. Uh, 
we do not have the ability to take on luxury players here. And I don't necessarily think that we're taking on luxury players, uh, but I do want to see people who are a little bit more rounded, a little bit more all action. Yeah, I mean, let's see. Oh, what was the quote? There was a quote that one of the sports analysts in England had about David Beckham, that he he's not fast, he can't shoot, uh, all he's got is a right foot. And he was brilliant with that one right foot. But in today's game, I don't know if there's a space for, for David Beckham. I don't know if there's a space for that kind of pink flamingo. And for a side that is building, for a side that's growing, you know, I think Charlotte is in a position where we do have a lot of pink flamingos, but but we don't need that many. We've got uh, too many in the yard, and, and we just need some nice grass. Yeah, I, I think that's a solid way to put it. And I think basically what we're going to have to be expecting of our players is that they develop those skills, is that you, you're you not going to get by at the highest tier with one elite skill. You're going to, yep. you're going to need one hyper elite skill at, at least. And then you're going to need four or five other top level, maybe not elite, but top level skills. And you're going to need to be able to show them and transition them well. And, uh, uh, I think we can we can leave that there, uh, Justin, because we do want to pop onto a little bit of general news really quick. I will uh, I will pick up the first one. There is now talk that uh, Kamil Yazwiak is is on the way. Uh, there is there is talk, and I am using the word talk loosely because we don't have a lot of confirmation on this yet. Uh, there is talk that he is going to be coming in this week. And we'll go straight into training and maybe go straight onto the, the pitch, depending on how uh, Miguel Ramirez feels about him. Uh, but so we are looking forward to seeing him. And he is not the only player who we're going to be seeing for a while. Jalen Lindsay just got a contract extension. Justin, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it looks like uh, we've signed him for a couple of more years uh, out to 2024 with, I believe, a club option for 2025, which is great to see. You know, he is a local guy. Um, we've talked about it before, and and I think he's been one of the more effective players. You know, when we talk about grass and pink flamingos, I think that Jalen Lindsay's been a grass kind of player for us. Uh, and, and so it's nice to see him here for a couple more years. And then... Um, it sounds like, uh, you know, in some other news, we might have an opportunity to see this Charlotte FC side go up against one of the big dogs of world football uh, this summer. Yeah, um, we are. It has been announced that Charlotte FC is going to get the chance to play Chelsea, uh, big big dog from the Premier League. And uh, there are a lot of mixed feelings about this for me, Justin. I, I think that it has it has come out all over the world. That, uh, that Chelsea is uh, currently owned by Roman Abramovich. And as, a, uh, as an oligarch in the, the Russian community, uh, he has been hit with a lot of sanctions over Chelsea recently um, to the point that Chelsea is currently on the market to be sold. Uh, it has gotten a whole bunch of bidders. But basically, you know, the English Premier League, and anyone who is familiar with the English Premier League will tell you the English Premier League is not a efficient structure uh there has to be a lot of evidence uh for the english premier league and the british government to to sort of hit stuff with sanctions uh 
yeah, we can reference as as early as this year when Newcastle United was purchased by a Saudi state. Uh, that they really don't care who owns football clubs, and even those guys hit Chelsea with uh, with these sanctions. So Chelsea is in a very weird spot. I hurt for their fans uh, because you know. I think that we all have a little bit of a disconnect between where the money comes from and and the product that we're looking at on the field. Uh, I think there are a lot of people who feel like the Ibramovich question of how he just flooded money into the league, well, whether or not it was a good thing. I think a lot of people would say no. But either way, uh, getting the chance to see some really, really, really high-quality uh, football played here in Charlotte by undoubtedly one of the best teams in the world. Uh, I hope will end up being a fantastic experience for all involved. And the current Captain America, Christian Pulisic from the U.S. Men's National Team, gets to play for uh, for Chelsea. So you know, we hope that by the the summer uh, friendly here, uh, you know, Chelsea has maybe been sold, yeah. maybe not to you know, one of the other governments that is problematic in the world. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of rumor going around now about uh, maybe a bid from the, the current owners of the Cubs, who mm-hmm. I don't know if they're great people either, but, you know, uh, Chelsea will likely be sold uh, at some point in the near future, be under new ownership by the time they come here. And uh, again, I just hope we get a fun match. Uh, you know, maybe get a chance to see some of these big names that that we know from from over there in the blue uh, of Chelsea. Yeah, so we will um, be we will be looking at that as the fan experience uh, for that coming up, and hopefully, hopefully it can be a positive experience for everyone. Hopefully, Chelsea has moved on from a dark point in their time, and uh, and it can it can just you know we don't have to to put the statement in front of everything. We don't have to contextualize everything. Hopefully, that can just be a great time. So we are looking forward to seeing Chelsea over here. We are looking forward to beating them in the ground. We are probably going to beat Chelsea, what, 13-0, Justin, you think? We we are at the level of uh, one of the perennial challengers for the Premier League uh, as it stands right now, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, we, uh, at this point, at this point, Manchester, uh, Manchester City probably, they could probably put up a fight against us. Um, <laughs> Says says the the host who just watched us lose uh, two nil to Philadelphia Union. Anyway, uh, we but have <laughs> in in the context of the potential future for us, and and in continuation, you know, with the uh, relationship that existed last year, we've extended our affiliate contract with uh, the Charlotte Independents, the the USL side that's here. Uh, last season, I think uh, we loaned. Christian Fuchs, Brent Bronico, and uh, Alain Franco to the Charlotte Independence to get a chance to uh, to play here in town. Uh, and we continued that, extended that relationship, and added a uh, former Clemson player. Quinn McNeil assigned a professional contract with uh, Charlotte FC and immediately been loaned as part of this affiliate relationship to the Charlotte Independence. So uh, if you have an opportunity, if you're in town, uh, the Charlotte Independence play at Memorial Stadium can be a lot of fun to go see them. Uh, can be a, a it's you know a stadium that's set up more with viewing angles for football in mind, um, and a chance maybe to see some of the future stars for Charlotte FC, uh, you know, before they hit it big. So Quinn McNeil, who I think just won the NCAA championship uh, for soccer with 
uh, with Clemson. Uh, now a Charlotte FC player on loan to the Charlotte Independents. Yeah, we will look forward to seeing him because uh, obviously uh, our record thus far of signing people right out of college is stupidly good. Uh, yes. We, we have only signed Sample size being and Ben that, Bender. <laughs> yeah, and, and he is probably our best player. I think I've said probably our best player about three different people this podcast. Um, no, he is one of our best players, and uh, we're going to hope that Quinn McNeil will, will go ply his trade over there uh, get used to playing in the higher leagues, and will will come for us next season uh, sharp and and ready to play. We do also have uh, Atlanta back in our house this weekend, and that one will be rocking. I think that we have uh, we have talked about it in the the post match for the Atlanta how that was ripped away from us at the last moment. I think we are a better team now than we were when we played them last. Uh, I think that this has the makings of uh, uh, could be a little bit of comeuppance, Justin. You think you think we owe them one? I absolutely think we owe them one. I think that if we go back and we play that, whether whether you want to call it a four four two, a four one three two, whatever it is, but we get back to doing what we did uh, against Cincinnati, what you know, what we did, I think we really have a chance to uh, let them come here into the the vault at Bank of America Stadium and uh, drop three points to us and and put us back on our winning ways. Yeah, and I think this is actually a great match. I think it comes at a great time. I think that we... I think that it is easy to to lose a little bit of the wind out of your sails. Uh, Even though it wasn't a terrible loss to Philadelphia Union, you know, when you were building like that to to sort of have the, the wind ripped out, I think that a a little bit of a match with just a little bit of extra spice to it really kind of makes everybody forget form. Uh, for anybody who has who has watched a derby or a big match uh, across the world, form goes out the window, right? Uh, who won the last game goes out the window because the players are gonna be up for this. It does not matter what happened before; the players are going to be up for this. So I think this is actually probably a really good one to bounce back on that, you know, we get a, we're not getting a team we don't really care about, or, you know, we're getting a team that we're going to be ready. We're going to be here and we hope the fans are going to be there too. Justin, do you have any final thoughts? No, I mean, I just want to, I just want to see us kick some Atlanta, but this weekend I'm, I'm excited for it. That is what we all want to see. So uh, ladies and gentlemen, we love you. We will kick Atlanta's butt, I hope. And uh, we will talk to you after that game. Good night.